This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Chris is the father of three. He served in the U.S. Air Force from 2008 to 2012, and that's where he developed his passion for fitness. After the military, Chris got certified as a personal trainer through NASM and began helping others take control of their health and fitness. As a kid, no one in Chris's family made health a priority, and they suffered from a myriad of health issues as a result of poor nutrition, lifestyle habits, and lack of exercise. This included his own dad, who had a heart attack at 50 years old. When Chris became a dad in 2012, he knew that he wanted to set a better example, and that is when he truly gained his passion for pairing fatherhood fitness together. Chris is now a member of several dads groups online, including his own group, The Driven Dad, where he helps dads work on their health and fitness goals in addition to training a number of dads directly. Chris is committed to helping men improve their health and fitness and ultimately their life so they can maximize their roles as husbands, fathers, and men. Chris, thank you for coming on the show today, and I'm glad that you are uh, telling your story today. Can you describe a little bit what your family looks like now and some gaps from that intro? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm a family of five now. We actually just recently welcomed our youngest child who just turned three months a couple days ago, uh, a daughter. So we, uh, that's our third child. We have a girl uh, who's going to be five here very soon, our son who's about two and a half, and then as I mentioned, the youngest who's uh, just turned three months old. So it's me and my wife and three little monsters. That's where we are right now. I love seeing your, your pictures on Facebook. It's so, uh, so catching up to where I am at because my oldest is, my youngest is two. And I remember that when you took on that three, it's, it's craziness. Oh, we yeah. both got the same combination, girl, boy, girl. So yep, yeah, it's a whole new ball game, uh, taking it from two to three, but we're adjusting pretty well, honestly. It's always interesting. You got to kind of keep look out for your son because he's tag teamed on both sides by <laughs> girls. And yep. I always get uh, a little bit sad when he starts playing with all the girl toys, but that's when I was like, okay, Dylan's go play trains. <laughs> yeah, pull him in and go do something with him. There you go. Well, thank you for coming on for the show. And I'm glad to, to tell your story and help the other dads come home. Uh, I'd like to ask the first question is, what does it mean to you when you hear the word dad's coming home? So for me, uh, I think about in the context of, uh, you know, coming home in, you know, obviously my physical house, but coming into the house and just being there with my family, being comfortable, you know, being surrounded by, by the people that mean the most to me. Uh, so that's kind of where I picture in my mind is just coming in, you know, uh, being uh, un undistracted by things in life and, and work and whatever else is going on, just spend time with my family. Do you have any stories that you can share from your military experience where you observed dads not coming home, where you were, where you saw that other side of the coin where they were disconnected? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd see a lot of that. Um, you know, I spent uh, a year over in South Korea uh, when I was in the Air Force. That was actually my first duty station. And I saw that, you know, uh, when you went over there, a lot of times uh, folks wouldn't bring their families with them. And that would lead to scenarios where uh, guys I'd be working with, you know, they would kind of, I'd, I'd be a sounding board for them, you know, and they'd be venting about, you know, being away from their family. And you'd start to see the strain that would take place, you know, being away from their spouse and then maybe growing distant, you know, uh, getting frustrated at each other, you know, being so far apart, not having time together physically, you know, and it just starts to take a toll on people and it, you know, spills over into their work performance and just kind of general overall, general overall attitude, you know, it just really impacts guys big time. I didn't know you were stationed in Korea. Were you on Osan? Yeah, I was at Osan Air Base. Yeah, back in 2008 and 2009. Yep, first year. That's awesome. My first, uh, when I went to Okinawa, we did a pit stop on the, the, med the military flight in Osan. And I remember landing on the runway looking on the right side and seeing the missile batteries pointed north and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm in South Korea. Yeah. And little did I know I would go back there four more times with deployments from Okinawa and Oksan was our Liberty vacation where we would go to, to have fun from the get away from the training and to drink a few beers and other stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was the first uh, first duty station, you know, first duty station in the military. It was an interesting assignment just being, you know, twenty one years old and you know, all the way on the other side of the world away from home. Uh you know, it was a lot of fun, maybe not the best duty station for a 21 year old young man, um, but a lot of fun, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I remember I had to take someone to the emergency room there and I remember walking through there and seeing 12 inch blast doors on the emergency room. I'm like, man, this is real here. They, they don't mess around. Yeah, it's interesting. And yeah, they, uh, you know, a lot of the base is set up that way that, you know, a lot of bunkers and other facilities that are hardened in that nature, you know, just in case uh, whatever the scenario is, you know, something would occur, they'd be able, be able to hunker down and kind of keep operational at that point. I always liked South Korea because Okinawa, it was always nice, but South Korea always felt more American. They just didn't speak English. Like I felt like they, they had road rage. They had personalities <laughs> that were a little bit more aggressive. They would joke, they would laugh. Okinawans were kind of very mellow people. And the South Koreans always made me a little bit less homesick because they didn't speak English. Yeah, no, I was the only one that had that viewpoint, but uh, yeah, I've actually never been to Japan. Uh, but you know, I will say being stationed in South Korea, like they're very welcoming for the most part. You know, it wasn't uncommon to go off base and venture out into the you know neighboring cities and stuff like that and have a great time. Uh, and, they, and you know, in a lot of ways, they liked American culture. Um, you know, one thing that was really big over there uh, was uh, karaoke. You'd see karaoke places all over the place, and it was like a huge thing. But uh, they're very welcoming overall. You know, uh, to Americans and military members. What are three time bombs that have enabled you to come home? Uh, so I guess for me, I uh, wouldn't necessarily give you three, but the biggest thing is just like, you know, spending time with my kids. Uh, like I said, just maybe setting limits in terms of uh, electronic devices, like being on my phone, being on my computer, you know, thinking about work and other things that I have going on, just getting down on the floor. Like my kids love when I get on the floor and just kind of wrestle with them and crawl around and just be crazy and play with them, you know. Um, and it seems like, you know, no matter what I have going on, if I just do that, it kind of clears my head. And, and that's what they, uh, seem to value the most with me is just like being crazy. And, you know, I just come up with a ton of little games that we play that, you know, maybe make no sense to an adult, but you know, to them, it's like the coolest thing ever. So just, uh, is your son, what's that? Is your son, is your son's love language, physical touch? Uh, yeah, I would say so. You know, uh, he just, he just loves, uh, it's actually my oldest daughter who loves wrestling around and, and, you know, being crazy and just running around being <laughs> wild, but our son definitely gets in the mix now too. Uh, so we just come up with all kinds of little games where we'll run around the house and play. And, and like I said, just turn off the phone, you know, or, or setting it down away from me 
uh, getting off the computer, turning off the TV, that kind of stuff, just getting down and, and playing with them, you know, being goofy and not, not worrying about everything. I, I hear you. My, my, my uh, oldest daughter's uh, love language is physical. Uh, I'm not sorry, not physical touch, but time and spending time with her. And so just like having breakfast or just going out and getting a pretzel at the mall, those simple things are where she, and my son's is physical touch. So he just like wrestling and, and getting tickled. And my youngest is still too, too young to figure it out. She just kind of goes around with everybody else's go, going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. In this day and age, like, you know, I feel like we're so distracted by cell phones and computers and whatever else, you know, and, uh, you know, nothing kind of gave me a reality check more than when like, you know, my oldest star started getting conscious of the fact that like maybe dad's on his phone or something like that. And, uh, that kind of drove me to try to make an effort to like set boundaries, you know, not be on my phone in certain time periods of the day when I'm with them in the evening and just, uh, spend more time with them. Honestly, that's the biggest thing to spend time with them, play games, be silly, you know, watch when they're trying to show you something that they're proud of and just not be distracted. So it's a, it's a work in progress, you know, of course, but uh, it's something I'm actively consciously trying to do. I agree. And it's so simple that one of the very first lessons or piece of advice I would ever give a dad is the spell, the kids spell love T I M E. And that lesson is like something to remember over and over because it can easily be forgotten when you try to think of a vacation you want to do or anything, cause you can overly complicate it just all. But in the end, they really just want your time. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's so hard. That's so easy to forget that. That's the truth for sure. You know, I, you know, it's easy for me to slip into the habit of thinking that I'm working hard, you know, for my family or wanting to, you know, accomplish whatever kind of financial goal or, or you know, something along those lines, you know, a career goal. Uh, but they don't really, they don't care about all that stuff. All they want me to do is play with them and spend time with them, you know. So it's easy for me to get caught up in those things. But then I have to pull myself back to reality and remind myself that they don't care about that. They just want to play. They just want to have fun. They just want to, you know, have my attention. Awesome. What do you want your kids to remember about you when you're 30? When, so when they're 30, I want them to remember, uh, you know, I want them to remember that, uh, I cared, you know, I cared and, uh, was just supportive and, and always been there, you know, the best I could be. And, and, the biggest thing for me is I want them to remember that I tried to be the best person I could be for them. You know, we're all flawed. You know, we all have our, our strengths and weaknesses, but I want them to remember that I was always, you know, consciously working on my weaknesses to be a better person and be the best dad and, you know, husband and father that I could be to them. And, uh, you know, I was engaged. I wasn't just disconnected. I wasn't just, you know, kind of around in, in the vicinity when they're growing up, but, you know, I truly was concerned about what they had going on, you know, what they were passionate about, what they were excited about, you know, um, that I care. That's the biggest thing is that I care about them. I've heard the the question of thinking about what your kids will remember when you're 30, reflecting on that. What will your kids want to tell their friends at a bar when they're 30 about their dad? Like, what are those key words? What are those memories that, they, that you want them to hopefully repeat? And it's like what you just what you just said. And that question can easily disconnect a lot of the worry too. You're like, this isn't going to matter. This isn't something they're going to want to talk about to their kids when they're 30 or any of that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff I get caught up, you know, I'm, you know, super, I consider myself pretty motivated. I'm always trying to achieve something or chase the next goal. Uh, but they don't really care about any of that. I just want them to know that I care about them, you know, and that uh, at the end of the day, I supported them. I was always there for them. And, you know, I tried to steer them down the right path, but let them be their own individuals at the same time. Uh, and just, like I said, was present, was engaged, you know, wasn't disconnected, wasn't absent. 
I had a, someone give me some advice once that uh, you can tell your kids that like, you know how you're still trying to figure out you're six years old and figure out how to be six? Well, I'm still figuring out how to be 34. <laughs> and you, no matter what level of life you're at, you're still trying to figure out that age, how to be successful at it. Yeah. And so many of our kids look at us as like, we should have it all together and be like, I'm still trying to figure out 34, just like you're still trying to figure out six. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I mentioned before. You know, I want them to know that, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I have, uh, you know, a lot of flaws, you know, I'm, I may lose my temper or I may, you know, get this distracted or, you know, but I want them to know that I'm consciously working on trying to improve myself. Uh, so that could be the best person I could be for them. As a dad, what is your scariest moment and what did this moment teach you and how did it enable you to grow as a dad? So honestly, uh, the scariest moment for me as a dad was actually the moment that I became a dad. It was the moment that I held my first kid. Um, you know, cause up to that point, I was just kind of, um, you know, shirking responsibility, you know, living below my potential, just kind of drifting through life, making poor decisions. And I knew, you know, I was conscious of the fact that I was doing that. Um, but when I had this person, you know, that I realized like now I'm responsible for this person, they're going to depend on me, you know, to provide for them, to, you know, teach them lessons, to be, uh, you know, an example, like for example, you know, my daughter to, to be an example of what a man should be, you know, how a man should treat her. Uh, it really, really was a wake up call, you know, and that, that moment helped me grow as an individual. You know, that's what kind of kicked me off on trying to improve myself as a person and not just drift through life, but, you know, be the best person I could be. Um, you know, and that's the, so I wouldn't look back and, uh, you know, they wouldn't look back and just know that dad kind of lived through his potential, you know, lived, uh, below his potential, just kind of drifted through life, you know, didn't try too hard, uh, didn't really try to improve himself, didn't, you know, wasn't conscious of his weaknesses and, and trying to grow as a person. Um, it just really was a wake up call that, you know, this person's going to depend on me now. Did you find your, that you were drifting as a veteran between getting out of the air force and getting married to that moment to wouldn't become a dad yeah. or you were slowly starting to wake up? Yeah. It, it's kind of weird. You know, I, I wouldn't say I was necessarily drifting. I, I was making a lot of poor choices. You know, I was uh, drinking a lot and just, you know, not really excelling academically or in my professional career, just kind of was comfortable, right. And complacent. And, uh, you know, when I held them and when I became a dad, you know, because in the military, you have kind of a clear mission and what your role is and what you should be accomplishing and what you need to contribute. Uh, but after I got out of the military, you know, I didn't really have that. So, you know, once I became a dad, like it, it kind of opened my eyes, like this is what I need to be doing. This is, you know, this is my purpose now. And, you know, kind of gave me a direction that I was just kind of like, like I said, I was kind of drifting and just kind of in a fog and just kind of, you know, drifting through life. And it kind of opened my eyes and, and showed me exactly like what I need to be doing now, what is important. I've heard a legacy best describes as planting seeds in a garden you never get to see grow. What do you want your family's legacy to be? Uh, so, you know, for me, I come from a, an interesting background. Like uh, I was raised by a single mom. You know, my mom had me when she was 15 uh, and I didn't meet my own father until I was seven. So I want my children to look back and see a lot different, uh, a lot different picture than what I think of when I think of my childhood. Not that it was, you know, bad. I'm not complaining by any means, but I want them to look back and see, you know, two loving parents that stuck it out, you know, when times got hard and two people who did the right thing, you know, um, when life is not always easy. It's, you know, there's a lot of difficulties there and I want them to see two parents who love them, you know, and did their best for them. And, uh, you know, we're focused on, on helping them grow and helping them succeed and seeing them thrive as individuals. That's going to be an awesome legacy. I always like how Dave Ramsey talks about changing your family tree and your, your family tree is definitely changing and growing into a better tree. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. That's, uh, you know, that's kind of what motivates me. Like I said, not that, you know, my childhood was the worst thing in the world, but there's a lot of things that I was, you know, I seen that I saw and I was exposed to um, that I hope my kids never have to experience. But at the same time, you know, a lot of those things helped me grow into who I am today because, you know, you don't always need the best examples. Sometimes bad examples can serve as, you know, a crystal clear picture of what you don't want to do and how not to be. There was a, a story that I heard from the, the book that Tom Brokaw wrote, The Greatest Generation, that the greatest generation were the greatest generation because of the adversity they went through from the Great Depression. But when asked when one of the one things that they said they could wish for their family to be different, it would be that for their life to be easy. And looking back on that, the, the, the book reflects that they wished their, their kids to have less of what the one thing that made them who they were. And so, so many times we want our kids and families to be better, to not have the struggles we did growing up. But in reality, those were the ones that made us who we are. We wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been as tough as nails fitness coach as you are now, willing and helping motivating dads without those early struggles. And I just find it interesting that the greatest generation wished the one thing that that helped them become that, not for their kids, because they didn't want that adversity and that, that suffrage, but that was exactly what made them that. Yeah, I think that's a really critical thing. And I think uh, more and more people are becoming conscious of it. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, Jordan Peterson, for example, uh, you know, and uh, he's a, an intellectual, Western int intellectual. And he talks about, you know, how you want to put your kids in a position to where they could potentially fail, uh, but not to where their failure would be so great that it would crush them and, and you know, uh, deter them from ever trying again. But you want to put them in a position where they have to struggle. Um, you know, I see it sometimes in friends and family who kind of have uh, people who coddle them and protect them from the realities of, of life. And those individuals have a hard time when they grow up and enter society. They have a hard time thriving and being successful because they've had someone there do everything for them and protect them from the hardships that they may have encountered. Um, you know, so that's an interesting balance. You know, like I said, I'm trying to provide a better life for my family than maybe I had when I was growing up. But at the same time, I need to be conscious that I want them to struggle. I want them to be in difficult situations that they have to overcome. I don't want to keep them protected from everything because if I do, uh, you know, they're not going to be prepared to face the adversity that life's inevitably going to throw their way. What advice would you give a dad looking to come home to his marriage? So ironically, in my opinion, you know, like you mentioned, time, kids spell love time. You know, I feel like that's the same thing in a marriage. Um, and as you have more children, in my opinion, it becomes exponentially more difficult to have that time. You know, for instance, we have three kids right now under the age of five. Uh, so things are hectic. You know, it's like as soon as we get off of work in the evening or whatever it is, we're you know trying to get the kids fed, spend time with them, give them our attention, you know, get them bathed, uh, make sure they're learning and, and doing the things that they should be doing. Uh, but it's easy to forget about each other. So you got to try and make those uh make those times for yourself, you know, for, for the marriage, not only as an individual, but like, you know, also for the marriage, like make time for each other. It doesn't have to be going out for a date. Maybe it can just be, you know, hanging out at home and talking, listening to some music, having a glass of wine, if that's your type of thing. Uh, but just spending time together, you know, um, you know, especially in my case, my wife stays home with our three kids. So at the end of the day, she, you know, she's beat, she's been around kids all day. She just wants another adult to talk to, you know, someone to spend time with and, and have an adult conversation and, and the biggest thing for men is like, you know, you feel the need to fix everything. So as soon as she starts saying something about a, a struggle she's having or a problem, you know, I always want to propose a solution. And, and I find that that's not actually the best way to go about it. Sometimes you just need to let people talk and, and just kind of listen. And that's, so that's something I'm actively working on myself. What is a resource or a book you would recommend to another military veteran dad and why? 
so ironically, my favorite book is actually a book called Resilience. It's written by a guy named Eric Greitens. Uh, he's actually a former Navy SEAL, and he uh, is a current governor, I believe, or a former governor at the, at the least. Um, but the book is actually a series of letters that he wrote to a fellow Navy SEAL who got out of the military and kind of had lost his mission or purpose in life. And, uh, you know, so in that book, Eric Greitens goes through a series of letters uh, to his friend and he shares a lot of lessons that have been, you know, uh, passed down throughout generations of society, you know, human civilization, you know, back to the Stoic times. He, he draws a lot from the Stoics. Um, and, it, and the book kind of takes you through a series of uh, letters that talk about how to become, you know, a part of society, how to become part of your family, part of a community, you know, how to show up your best for, you know, those that depend on you, those that love you and, and just the broader society. And, uh, you know, I found that book, you know, since it draws on so many generations of human civilization and so many great lessons, like I found that book incredibly powerful. And it's uh, my favorite book, actually, because it talks about adversity, you know, that we're going to face in life and how to overcome it. That's an awesome uh, book. And thank you for sharing that. I always like uh, there's something that comes off of you as far as a weight on your shoulders when you start to realize that this isn't the first time someone's had this problem on earth, that it's a repetitive process of thousands and thousands of times and every one of them survived and it wasn't life ending. I remember maybe two years ago, I realized that the only thing, the end of the world is the end of the world. And it's all just perspective and relative and yeah, we just need to move forward through it. Yeah. That's what's neat about the book and, and just in general about history is like you start to read and, and look into those type of things and you see like people were dealing with the same kind of things for, you know, hundreds, even thousands of years, you know, um, it, it's just not, you know, maybe a different circumstance, you know, different, um, you know, comforts in life, electronics, computers, whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, we're still people and we still have the same type of emotions and same type of hardships, you know, that we need to overcome as individuals and as a society in a lot of ways. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you very much for coming on the show today. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? So uh, I can be found on Facebook at the Driven, the Driven Dad is kind of the Facebook page and the group that I've created. You know, it's a group that focuses on fitness for dads and, and husbands, you know, trying to reclaim their health and fitness. Uh, same thing on Instagram at the Driven Dad as well. And then if, you know, I actually run an eight week uh, health and fitness boot camp for that's focused on dads, uh, you know, getting in shape and and taking back control of their health and fitness and just being able to show up their best for people that rely on them. And you can find that at the driven or the driven dad.com as well. So, you know, there you go. It's kind of makes it easy, but uh, whether it's website, you know, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere like that, you know, when you're looking to, you know, look for me or, or find my content when it comes to fatherhood and fitness, you can find me at any of those places. And I am a first time member of that group and it, it's done wonders for me, and I'm now almost eight months into waking up at 5 a.m. going to the gym because of that program. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, it was great to have you in there, and, you know, we've worked with quite a few dads since then, and, you know, we just keep trying to make things better, and, and in my opinion, you know, uh, there's a lot of ways that we can improve ourselves, but, you know, I find that fitness is one of the best ways to do that. You know, you wake up, you, you get a workout, and you feel better about yourself, you look better, you get confident, you get strong, and it kind of spills over into countless areas of your life. And I find the, the first thing I started conquering wasn't any types of physical muscles or anything like that, but it was limiting beliefs that you had of yourself of what you could be capable of doing by choosing a weight and then realizing, well, that was easy yesterday or that was hard yesterday. Now it's easy. I can do more. Yeah. And I find these voices inside my head pushing me to, to put more weight on there that never were there. Yeah. In my opinion, like there's so many parallels between fitness and life. You know, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, going through hardships It's the same concept with, uh, say strength training, for example, like if you never lift something, you never pick something up, you're not going to get any stronger. It's the same thing in life. You never go through those hardships. You're not going to get any stronger. 
uh, as an individual, you know, and the, and, the, and the lessons I've learned through fitness, like discipline and perseverance and resiliency and humility, you know, those, those things carry on to countless areas of your life. And that's why fitness is so powerful to me. Well, Chris, thank you for sharing your awesome wisdom and stories. And thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it, man. I love the message and I love the mission you're on here. Thank you. Thanks. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.